the reason. Wow, what a beautiful day. You can be seated. Man, that's some kind of way to introduce somebody. I'll tell you that right there. But I love Pastor Jordan and Pastor Holly. You know, the truth is, let me tell you the real true story of, of why I'm here today, okay? You guys want the real truth. Pastor Holly called me, and it was about a year ago that my wife and I began to make a transition to Texas. And she called me and she said, Jay, it's been almost a complete year since anyone has preached at the gate in Jordans. <laughs> and I said, this has to be rectified immediately. And she said, I, this, is a, this is a big problem. And I said, I will fix that problem. I can be there this Sunday. And because I've been hearing that Pastor Jordan throws a little bit of shade every now and then at people that wear Jordans. So what I want you to do is I want you to keep an eye on him for me. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to give him a pair of Jordans. His name is Jordan. I don't understand why his heart is hard to this idea. So if I give him a pair of Jordans, I'll have to arrange that. I do not have them with me. I will have to, I will have to make that happen. I want someone to send me a picture of Pastor Jordan in Jordans. And I just can't imagine how much more anointed he's going to be when he does that. I've been, I've been trying to tell him, but he likes his boots. And so... It's, uh, it's so good to be here and see so many familiar faces and so many new faces and um, just a joy to see uh, how you're doing and um, we're, we're doing well. Lots of people ask. We're doing really well. We're very blessed. We're very encouraged. Um, we've been very focused uh, in our time in Texas and I, um, I have not preached in another church on a Sunday since we became the pastors at the Bridge Church uh, in September. And so since September until now, I haven't preached anywhere on a Sunday. Um, and, and Pastor, this part of the story is true. The other part was not true. Pastor Holly called me. We were talking this week, and, and uh, I just... I just knew it was the right thing to do, and we all felt the same way. But it's special to me that, um, that there will come a day in the near future where I'll be at some other churches on Sunday. But the first church um, that I'm released by the Lord to come and just share with uh, since I've taken this assignment in Texas is here. And the reason that's special to me and to my wife is that this, and I told Holly and Jordan this last night, but this is, this, and, and they already know this, but I want you to know this is, this is not a, a ministry assignment. This is not a gig. This is not an appointment. This is family for us. And so um, when, uh, you know, when you, when, you, when you live with people and you, and you pour your heart and your soul into um, what God's doing, and then transition happens, and their family, when they call you, it's not like, you know, well, let me see if I can figure it out, or let me see if I have anything else important to do. It's just like, 
you know, when your family calls, you just, you just show up. And, um, and so we just know, you just need to know that whether you like it or not, you got some family in Texas and uh, we got some family in Oklahoma. And I mean, technically, I think there is ways to get rid of family, but it's really complicated and painful and you don't want to go through that. So just live with us. We're all family and I'm, I'm excited to be here and, uh, and honored to share with you. I didn't know Pastor Jordan was going to get me all teared up before I had to get up here and try and preach. But um, I do feel like I, I have something to share with you that I hope, I know that uh, it will minister to you. Today, on this Sunday in, uh, in, in the church, is 50 days after Easter Sunday. And so historically, the church has always uh, celebrated this Sunday. It's Pentecost Sunday. And it's the same time that um, after Easter, 50 days later, the Bible tells us that the disciples were all gathered in an upper room praying. And so that's the day of Pentecost. It's a feast in the Old Testament. And so uh, we celebrate and remember the day that um, that's always been uh, a special and important day for the church. And um, so some of uh, what I want to share with you uh, connects directly to that idea and that theme, and and um, I'm just gonna just go to jump right into that and read a couple of scriptures for you. The title of what I want to share with you this morning is just called "The Water Within." The water within. So um, let's um, let's read a few. I got a few little excerpts to read to you. Just jump all over. So. If, I don't know what Pastor Jordan's been doing lately, so just get used to me and we'll all be good, okay? So you might do a little more Bible reading than you normally do this morning, but it'll be okay. So Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 4. For all I know, Pastor Jordan's up here reading like long, long, you know, chapters to you. I have no idea, so I didn't ask him. But Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 4 says, In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. You know, there's something I need to share before we get into the scripture. So, um, I need to say something. So, just bear with me. This is all all different, but I, I need to say something. I was really spending some time in prayer, and it'll be hard for me to say this after I get into my message. So, I need to say something to to you as a church. I was praying this week and this weekend, and I was just asking the Lord. You know, well. What do, I, what do I share with the gay church? What do, I, what do I tell them? And so before I preach, I think there's some things in my preaching that the, de- the Lord definitely wants me to tell you. But I feel like I just want to say something um, from the heart of Jesus to the people who are the gay church. And I want you to really let that land with you that the gay church is the people. It's you. It's the person sitting next to you. It's the person sitting on that row, the people of the gate church. And I was in prayer, and I felt like the Lord just wanted me to say to the people of the gate church, well done. Well done, gate church. I believe that Jesus' heart for the people of the gate church in this moment, in this season, in this this little tiny sliver of time that we're living in right now is that Jesus is looking at so many of us and he's just saying good job 
You know, in the book of Revelation, there's letters that Jesus sends to the churches. And a lot of times he tells the churches. Sometimes he tells them, you're not doing great. But a lot of times he tells them, he says, you're doing well. Basically, he's saying, I'm proud of you. And I want you to know, if you're a part of the ongoing life of this church, whether you're watching online or you're in this building right now, I just want you to know that that your faithfulness and your consistency and your faith itself and and your opening of your heart to what God is doing um, is an incredible testimony to the goodness of God in your own life and in this community. And it is contributing to something that God wants to build on and release his purposes through. So I just want, I just couldn't not do that. I felt like the Lord just wanted me, uh, for whatever that's worth, just to say, you're doing a great job and good things are in store for this church and for you. And I want to say something, even though Pastor Jordan probably had to run, he's like me about halfway through service, always have to run to the restroom. So I'll just say it and let Pastor Holly let him know. But I think that I want, I've said it to them privately many times, but I would just want to thank Pastor Jordan and Pastor Holly for the way that they have led this congregation and cared for you and listened to God and just been content and comfortable to do what they know that God's telling them to do. And I, along with lots of other people, are so grateful, Holly, for you and Jordan and for the way that you're just continuing to lead and step into whatever God is saying. And I know that that journey is just beginning, and I just want to contribute a little bit uh, to that this morning. So, now I think I can read this. Are you guys ready? In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and when no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground, but a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground." Genesis chapter 7, verse number 11, is a a little phrase that comes in the middle of the story of the flood when the earth is being flooded. And this is the day that it began to rain and began to flood the earth. Genesis verse number 11, chapter 7 says, On the day all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth. So we, we went to kids church and we learned that God flooded the, ra- the earth because he made it rain a bunch and he did but also all the fountains of the great deep burst forth and the windows of heaven were open then I want to read out of John chapter 7 this morning verse number 37 it says on the last and the on the last day of the festival the great day While Jesus was standing there, he cried out and said, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. As Scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit, which believers in him were to receive, for as yet there was no Spirit, 
because Jesus had not yet glorified, was not yet glorified. So I want to talk for a few minutes about the water within. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit to help us listen to what he's saying. Lord Jesus, we love you today. Our hearts are open to you. We sense your presence here in this moment. And I ask you, Lord, as I speak, that you would speak. And that, Lord, more than people hearing my voice, I pray that they would hear your voice. Because you can speak into the exact moment and the exact details of their life. And so, would you give us ears to hear what you're saying? And, Lord, I pray that our eyes would be opened and that our hearts would be awakened to the water within us according to your scripture. And we say, let that water flow in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So you might try to wonder why I'm reading multiple scriptures from multiple places to try and share this with you. And the the early church fathers, uh, guys 2,000 years ago that were preaching and pastoring churches... They talked about scripture in really interesting ways. And one of the ways they talked about scripture was as medicine. And so um, they talked about the pastor uh, crafting a sermon almost like a pharmacist just mixing medicine together. So, you know, you take a little bit of the Song of Solomon and you take a little bit of James, you take a little bit of John, you take a little bit of Matthew and you kind of mix it all together and hopefully it provides healing and restoration and salvation. And so um, I just want you to think about that like, like they did. And I'm just saying what I'm hoping happens this morning is that we sprinkle a little bit of Genesis and a little bit of John and we mix it all together and something really good for us comes out of it. So um, it's a little bit of paprika, a little bit of pepper, a little bit of, you know, whatever else you throw in there. My wife's in charge of that in our house, not me. But um, I believe something good is going to come out of that. I want to let Genesis speak to us first. And this, this passage in Genesis is so full, so I don't have time to, to take my time and walk you through it. So I'm just going to kind of give you the big takeaways from Genesis chapter 2. Um, the big takeaways is that God begins by planting a garden. And so the Bible says that the Lord God planted a garden and then he placed man in the garden that he planted. So he takes, forms man out of the dirt, and he plants man in his garden. So we're sort of supposed to start to realize that in some kind of way, man is like God's seed. Like God plants man in God's garden so that man can like fall into the ground and die like a seed and then bear fruit and multiply the seed of God through man's life in God's garden. And so that's not just a story about Adam and Eve thousands and thousands of years ago. That's the story of your life. That's the story of my life is that wherever you are right now, whatever you're going through, according to the scripture, you can believe that some kind of way what God's been doing with my life is forming me, breathing his life into me and planting me in his garden so that I can bear fruit. And so what Genesis tells us is that what God's desire, God's heart, God's plan, God's purpose, God's longing for my life and for your life is that it would resemble a flourishing, fruitful garden. 
So God's mind is made up. You know, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you're experiencing. What you can know with certainty is that if I find a way to cooperate with God, to lean in with God, God wants to bring my life to a place of flourishing fruitfulness in his garden. But not only does God plant man in God's garden, what we begin to realize is that God, man is not only planted in God's garden, but Genesis is also trying to tell us man is God's garden. So the, the really fast takeaway that I want you to get from this, and you can just look at your neighbor and tell them this morning, help me preach, and just look at them and say, you are God's garden. You are God's garden. So the reason God wants your life to be flourishing and fruitful is because you are God's garden and God plants his seed in you. And so what's really interesting about this is that God invites Adam and Eve to be his co-gardener. So he invites them to take care of the garden. In other words, I want you to, to pick the weeds and, and nourish the soil. I want you to throw some fertilizer down and I want you to, to make sure that the soil is cultivated so that it can produce life. But what I want you to catch is that the one responsibility that God doesn't give to Adam in the whole garden narrative is God, you know, there weren't sprinkler systems, there weren't irrigation systems. God says, I'll take the responsibility of watering the garden. I'm going to be in charge of watering the garden. Adam, you can do everything else. You can work the garden. You can do all sorts of things. But the water is always going to come from me. Because there's a lot of things that you can do, but you cannot produce water. And so Genesis tells us that there had been no rain falling on the earth. It had not rained, and it didn't rain until Noah's time. But when it wasn't raining, God said, I'm going to get water to man's garden, and I'm going to do it from streams that spring up from within the earth. So you see in this picture that God says, so you say, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for my life? It means this, that those two ways of God getting water to his garden have remained the same. And so I want us to look at those this morning. The first way is the way we're most common, uh, we're most familiar with, and that is that God waters his garden with rains from above. He waters his garden with rains from above. And that just means when, you know, you're Oklahomans, you understand this, that when the, when the conditions are right and the clouds are in the sky, it could rain and your house could also get blown away. I mean, it's an exciting state to live in. You got you to love it, right? We, we, are, we are weather people. We are Oklahoma, Oklahomans, they understand. You know, so rains from above is the most familiar, but what's interesting about Genesis is that it's very subtly letting us know that there was a time when rains from above was not a thing. There was a time when it did not rain on the earth, and there will be times in your life when rains from above is not a thing. And so the other way that God waters this garden is with streams from within or streams from below. And so streams from within is the primary way that God waters his garden. Not rains from above. So the streams from within are the primary way. They're the constant way. They're the way that God is always going to water his garden. He's always going to make that available. There's never been a time when God wasn't committed to that way. Then later, God brings rains from above. 
The reason I think that's interesting is because in our particular um, tribe of Christianity, we are rain chasers. We, we love the rain. We, we love the storms. We love, um, we love the excitement. You know, I mean, it's kind of like charismatic Christians are kind of like storm-chasing weathermen. That's, that's kind of what we're like. We're like the guy, Valcaster, in his car on the highway looking for the next outpouring of a thunderstorm of rain. We are looking for the excitement. We are chasing the good stuff. We're trying to have the first eye, first-hand account of the rain that comes from above. And you know what? I'm not going to tell you to not get excited about rain or not even chase rain. I'm just trying to let the Bible tell us something deeper that God is so committed to that could radically impact my life because you can't get rain if the atmosphere isn't right. And I don't know whether you've learned this or not, but this is something that you need to understand. There are times in your life where you may be able to have some control over the atmosphere of your life. But there are other times of your life that you will have no control over the atmosphere of your life. You will not be able to determine. God may place you in a place that is full of a, the wrong kind of atmosphere. But what, what Scripture is trying to tell us is that no matter what the atmosphere of my life is or is not God is always committed to getting water to my garden God says no matter so so here's here's some here's some distinctions between streams from within and rains from above I'll put these on the screen for you rains from above generate from clouds that we can see it generates from clouds that we can't see but streams from within they generate from an unseen source they generate from an unseen source rains from above are sudden they're fleeting and they're often noisy they're exciting especially in Oklahoma there's lightning and thunder we even have songs about lightning and thunder I mean I love those songs but we love thunderstorm Christianity streams from within are slow and steady. They're often imperceptible and they're quiet. Just like church right now. Streams from, I mean, rains from above are dependent upon access to atmospheric conditions. If you don't have the right atmosphere, you can't get rain. But streams from within are dependent upon access to the depths, to something deeper. Scripture talks about us like trees. It says we are trees planted by rivers of living water. A tree planted by a river is not dependent upon rain. A tree planted by a river has roots that run deep into the soil that is nourished by the river. And the river nourishes the soil that the tree's roots can draw nourishment from. So a tree planted by 
the river, watch this, is never dependent on the rain. But when the rain comes, it's just an abundant overflow of goodness and blessing and increase on the tree's life. So it can go a long time without a tree planted by the river receiving rain. And you'd never know the difference. Because uh, Psalm 1 says the tree planted by the rivers of living water will yield its fruit. And its fruit will, and its leaf will not wither. Why? Because it's planted by a river. It knows how to draw water from streams within underneath the surface in the unseen realms in the quiet and so when that tree gets rain it just gets an absolute like over filling overflowing just renewal but a tree that's not planted by a stream a tree that is just planted out in the middle of the arid wasteland if it doesn't get rain it doesn't produce fruit. Can I tell you that God's desire for you is that you be fruitful and flourishing no matter what atmosphere you're in, no matter whether you're in a season of rain, whether you're in a season of outpouring, whether you're in a season of revival, whether you're receiving it, where the Holy Spirit's moving, where people are dancing and shaking and shouting and bucking and doing all the things they do, or whether you're just going through an ordinary Monday, one, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday, get up, drink my coffee, go to work. God says, I still want you to be fruitful because you've learned how to put some roots down into the soil and draw something up out of you that can produce a fruitful and flourishing garden out of your life you know the gate church has been blessed with many seasons i was long here long enough and one of the things that i'm proud to say that i was a part of the gate church is because the gate church has been a a church that's always been sensitive and aware to the atmosphere of the season that we were in and there were seasons when the atmosphere and the season was outstanding and phenomenal and then there was the seasons when the atmosphere was just ordinary and normal and you know what nobody did anything wrong can I tell you that it actually might be that God lets you as a tree go into seasons when the atmosphere isn't your favorite because God wants you to grow to a different level of strength. He wants your roots to go down a little bit deeper than they were. He knows that you're going to be a better tree, a better garden long term if he lets you go in and out of different kinds of atmospheres as long as we learn how to draw from the streams within, to draw from the unseen, to draw from the depths. Here's, here's what I want to ask you this morning. What if God is trying to water us from sources that are unseen, slow, and from the depths, but we are enamored with sources that are flashy, sudden, and on the surface? What if, let me get this really practical. What if God is trying to water you by the very ordinary, elderly woman or person who bores you stiff when you sit with them and talk? But you can't pay attention to God's water source because Miss Dot is a few years or a few decades older than you, but she's got a deep well of water on the inside of her, 
and you're so enamored with your favorite new Instagram preacher with all of his reels that's surfacy and flashy and has thunder and lightning and flashing bolts, but God is sending you deeper water supplies that just aren't as entertaining as the ones you're enamored with. What if God's trying to get you to learn how to draw from deep, quiet places rather than noisy, surface places? I don't know. I'm just asking. I'm just asking. Those are all questions. So, so what, what I hear in Jesus, so last thing I'll say that, and I've got to get to John. So last thing we'll say about Genesis it's kind of like two sermons in one, but it won't take me long. Okay, so if you, you can't always control the atmosphere around you, but you can always access the depths within you. And that was, that was probably, it's a good thing I said that. You guys seem to like that. So that, that, that seemed to be well received. So I'm glad I took time to say that. Let me say that one more time. I love that. That felt so good coming back from you. Can't always control the atmosphere around you, but you can control the way that you access the depths within you. Say, man, the atmosphere where I go to work every Monday through Friday is the worst. Well, that's okay, but what, what's within you? Let me say it to you like this. There is an infinite supply of living water. Isn't that good news? There's an infinite supply of living water. Pastor Joey used to sing a song. I love that song. He said, we'll never run dry, right? We'll never run dry. Infinite supply. Where is the infinite supply of living water? It's not above you. It's not around you. It's not in the atmosphere. It's within you. So now we get to Jesus. Jesus, in John chapter 7, lifts up his voice on this festival when all these people are, are coming to Jerusalem. And the Bible says he lifts up his voice. And he cries out with a loud voice. I mean, if you look in the original languages, I mean, the, the words that are used here, I mean, it's just, I mean, th so the English translations, they have to translate it like, they have to use this word like cry aloud because it's just not enough to say Jesus like raised his voice. Like something inside of Jesus that is like when we cry, like an emotion bursting forth, coming out in these words. And Jesus says, if anybody is thirsty watch this i want i want you to don't miss this because these words just blew up on me this week all right i wasn't planning on preaching this i mean but these words just blew up on me i want you to catch them you ready it's three words you ready for this what did jesus say come to me if anyone is thirsty come Jesus, 2,000 years ago, in Jerusalem, saying, if anyone is thirsty. He wasn't just saying that to those thousands of people in Jerusalem. He was saying that to thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Billions and billions and billions and billions of people. Because Jesus understood something that he, as who he was, was the source of some water that he told the woman at the well, 
if you ever drink this water, I got some water in me. You drink that water and you're going to be thirsty by 6 p.m. But if you ever taste this water, if anybody is thirsty, come to me. What do you do? You come. What, what is my message? It's come to Jesus. If Pastor Jordan would have said, you got 45 seconds, I would have stood up and said, come to Jesus. That's what you do. Now, let's, that's good news, isn't it? Let's go a little deeper. It would be one thing. Jesus said, if anybody's thirsty, come to me because I've got living water. And if you drink the living water, it'll quench your thirst and you'll never be thirsty again. That would be amazing. But that's not what he said. He said, if anybody's thirsty, come to me and let him who believes drink and then out of his belly Jesus he does a little he does a little trick right there did you see that he said come to me and drink and then out of your belly Jesus said, I'm not just going to give you something to satisfy your emotional or your spiritual need. I don't want to. What I want to do is get you to drink of me so that I can do something in you. So that what is true of me will be true of you. And that the garden that I am, you can be so that you are not just somebody who says I went to Jesus and got a drink you can say I went to Jesus and he unleashed something in me that changed me and now it's flowing out of me and everywhere I go Jesus water keeps flowing out of me and that's why my life makes a difference, not because of me, but because I came to Jesus. And now I can't stop this Jesus water. Just keeps flowing out of me. I'm like a broken sprinkler head. I mean, I just oozing out all over. Jesus said, out of your inner... He didn't say... Come to me and drink, and I'll put a rain cloud over your head that follows you everywhere you go. He said, no, 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 no. What I want to do with you is not atmospheric. It has to do with the depths of your inner life. See, Jesus said, when you drink of my water, 
something is going to open up inside of you that you didn't know was there. See, I, I'm, I'm going to bring something into your life that opens up. And then he said, rivers of living water will flow out of his innermost being. When he said rivers of living water, it reminded me of the garden in Genesis. Because the garden in Genesis is the picture of what God wants us to be. It's what he wants creation to be. It's what he wants humanity to be. And, and Genesis takes special care to tell us there were four rivers flowing through the garden of Eden. Four rivers. And so this is how God waters his garden. What scripture is trying to do? It's trying to get us to know that God, here, here's a message for somebody. God is not withholding any water from your garden. You know, if you look at the geographical dimensions of the garden, I'm sure that probably one or two rivers would have done. It probably would have been sufficient. But God said, I'm going to run four rivers through that garden. And then Jesus could have said, if anybody's thirsty, come to me, and I'll let a river flow out of you. If Jesus would have said that, I'd been like, deal. I'm in. But he said, he didn't say river. He said rivers. Can I tell you that God's desire for you to flourish and be fruitful? God's desire for the gate church to flourish and be fruitful is so intense. It is so vast. It is so strong that he says, I'm going to supply more than enough channels of resource. I'm going to supply more than enough rivers of life. I'm going to supply more than enough water. And it's not going to come from around you. It's going to come from within you. That's how, that's how God wants to do it. That's how God wants to do it. And so... So it, it's, it's, really, it's really important to just, to just realize that, that whatever Jesus is going to do is going to be released from within us. So um, what does that mean? That just means this. And I was praying and I, I started studying this. And I'm just going to let Pastor Jordan figure out what all this means, okay? And that's his job. I'm not telling you what it means. Don't come up to me after service and don't send me an email and ask me what it means, okay? He's going to tell you what it means sometime later than today. But like I was praying and this, this, this really just kind of like hit me just out of nowhere. And he said, I want you to tell the gate church that it's time for them to have some come to Jesus meetings. And I was like, Lord, you know what a come to Jesus meeting is, don't you? That's like what you say when you're mad at somebody. You know, like when your mom finds out you've been doing something. Let me tell you something. You do not want to have a come to Jesus meeting with my mama because she and Jesus had already been meeting. I don't know what your mama was doing. My mama was meeting with Jesus, and you didn't want to have no come to Jesus meeting with her. we going to have a come to Jesus meeting is what we're going to do, Right? But the Lord just flipped that phrase all around. He told, he told me, he said, you tell the gate church 
that they're going to find out what it means. They're going to know how to do it. And maybe, maybe it's just a message for you. Maybe in your house. Maybe, maybe you don't need to wait on anybody at church to tell you what to do. But maybe you just need to start saying, I'm going to start having some come to Jesus meetings. And that don't mean anybody's going to be mad. I'm just going to take him up on his word and I'm going to come to Jesus. And I'm going to say, Lord, I'm here to drink this morning. I'm here to drink. And as I drink, I'm expecting something to open up and begin to flow out of the inside of me. You know, the Bible also says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so there's this great passage in Ezekiel that I don't have time to preach to you this morning. But it says that there's a river flowing out of the temple. And do you know what it says? It says that when the river started flowing out of the temple, the the dude that was watching it named Ezekiel, he was like, man, that's just a trickle. And there was an angel kind of like guiding him through, you know. And the angel was like, yeah, it's just a trickle, isn't it? But just keep watching because it gets a little bit wider. And it gets a little bit. And then he said, oh, man, it's just a trickle. And he stepped into it. And he said, that's just an ankle deep. That, you can't even call this a river. This is a puddle. This is a puddle coming out of the temple. And he was like, yeah, but why don't you just keep on stepping out there? And then he said, the next thing I know, it was up to my knees. So here's what I want you to take. Then the next thing you know, it was up to his chest. Then he couldn't touch. He it's having to swim. And so here's what I want you to know is don't judge what Jesus said. By the early moments of when you come to Jesus. Because when you come to Jesus and you drink, it may not be a flood. It might be a trickle. But then you just get up the next day and you say, Jesus, you said if I come to you, out of my innermost bill would flow rivers of living water. So I'm looking for the river. It feels like a trickle, but I'm looking for the river. And you just keep coming. You just keep taking him in his word. And you just keep drinking. Are you with me? So what does Jesus' life, this is it, this is it, we're going to be done, and i got a couple things to say, and then we're done, I promise. Jesus' life tells us about, you know, this idea, John says, when Jesus said those rivers of living water are going to flow, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. So I want to tell you three things that I think are going to encourage you, that Jesus' life shows us about that spirit-led life because what i want more than anything is i want i want today to be a day when something happens maybe maybe you know it's kind of halfway open maybe it's closed maybe it's like maybe you're just full gate like you're just wide open you got rivers flowing everywhere you don't know what to do that's great and just go out there and do your thing right but i just praying that somehow some kind of way everybody that's listening today will just experience a little bit of an opening. Just a little bit of a breaking forth. A little bit of some dry soil giving way. Just burgeoning up. Right now, we have a leak in, the, in a common area right beside our house. And there's just something. I don't know what's wrong. i got to call the water company or something. But you know what? Because that water's flowing underneath the surface, it just keeps coming up. Like there is a river underneath that. I, I want to tell the water company. Like there is a river under there. And it is flooding this. And it will not stop until we deal with the river. And that's what our life is. So you know what? It don't matter if it rains at my house or not. It's just wet over there. Because there's something underneath the surface. So here's what Jesus' life tells us. Number one, that Holy Spirit-led life. And I want you to think about your heart. is always going to lead us into a yielded life. A yielded life. 
You know what I find out about most Americans? There's one thing we don't like to do. We don't like to yield. We're not really a yielding country. Not really yielders. We're goers. You can just, just test it out on the traffic. Just see if people like yielding. They don't like yielding. People don't like yielding. Put a yield sign up, people don't like it. They're like, why is that yield sign there? I don't want to yield. But a yielded life is a spirit-led life. One of the things that Jesus' life was, was it was constantly yielded. See, what do I mean by that? Think of your heart like a drawbridge. And yielding is like dropping the drawbridge down. It's like lowering the gate. It's like opening up. And Jesus' life was so amazing because he was just so good at dropping that gate. And when he dropped the gate, stuff flowed out. But the world and circumstances and all kinds of things just try to get us to keep the gate up. Because you know what can happen? You know what can't happen when the gate's up? I can't get hurt. Can't get hurt. But Jesus just lowered the gate. He yielded his life to whatever his father was saying, to whatever he was doing. So what's going to get the rivers flowing in my life? A yielded life. Another way to say that is that the Spirit's power leads to a laid down life. A laid down life. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's poured out in Acts chapter 2, and it says, Young men are going to see visions, and old men are going to dream dreams. Have you ever thought about this? What does it mean to dream dreams in the Spirit? In order to dream dreams, you know what you have to do? Lay down. You know what you have to do? Yield. You have to stop thinking, stop figuring it out, stop trying to solve all the problems. Maybe the rivers in your life aren't flowing because you never lay down and rest. I'm preaching right now. So if I'm going to dream Holy Spirit dreams, it's only going to come about as I lay down and rest, let my mind be quiet, and let something inside of me begin to flow out. So the more I lay my life down, the more I yield, the more I open myself up to the streams that Jesus wants to release through my life. The last thing, somebody come to the keyboard if you want, so I'll, I'll finish. The Spirit's life, Jesus' life tells us this. Have you ever thought about this? The only time, the only time that water actually flowed out of Jesus was when he was on the cross. The Bible says, they were like, I wonder if that guy's dead. And they shove a spear into his side. And the Bible says, blood and water flowed out of his side. It's a picture of the way Jesus wants, to live, wants us to live our lives. So here's what I want to say to you. Sometimes the rivers of living water, if, you're, if we're going to be like Jesus, if we're going to let Jesus show us what it means to live our lives, sometimes the rivers of living water are going to flow even and maybe especially out of the dead places of our life. The places where we've come to the end and said, Lord, I'm willing to lay down my life. I'm willing to lay down my desires. I'm willing to lay down how I thought this was going to go. I'm going to say that one more time. I'm willing to lay down how I thought this was going to go. And when you lay that down, 
you feel like it's the end of something. You feel like it's a resignation, but it could be that you're laying down that resignation is not a resignation. It's an opening up of a new channel on the inside of you that you didn't know was there. I wonder if anybody could be in the place of just holding on to something that you even think you're holding on by faith. But God's asking you to lay it down. Because my faith is tied to a certain kind of way that God was going to do something. But I need to lay that down so that out of that dead place, a new river, a new stream that I didn't know was there can begin to flow. And watch this. Here's what I believe that the Lord is saying to Pastor Jordan and to the gay church this morning. I believe that the Lord is saying that all the places that God's going to take the gay church, all the things that God's going to do in and through you as a people, watch this, are going to come about by the energy and the motion of the river of God's living water that flows out of your innermost being. I'm talking to the gate church, out of your innermost being. And you say, well, how do we get that blowing? How do we get that open? I'm gonna remind you one more time. Come to me. You get it open. You get it flowing by having come to Jesus meetings. That means Pastor Jordan might stand up and say, we're having a worship time. We're having a prayer time. And you probably won't be prophesied to. And you probably won't have hands laid on you. Because the point and the objective of this meeting is just to come to Jesus. And we'll know it was a good meeting if we came to Jesus. Pastor Jordan might send you home and just say, you know, for the next five days, I want you to have come to Jesus meeting in your home where we're going to do this, whatever you end up doing. But here's what I know. Here's what I know is that the energy, the power, the momentum, the ability, the grace, the mercy, the life of God that will carry us into the future that God has for us is only going to come from the rivers of living water. So the better I get at coming to Jesus, the more open I get to rivers of living water. And the more open I get, the more energy I experience that carries me. You know, in Psalm 124, Israel said this. They said, this is our story. They said, we look back over our story. We look back over our our little history. And we say, Lord, have mercy. We don't have any idea how we got here. But here's all we know. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, I'm going to tell you right now, we wouldn't have made it. We'd have been drowned. We'd have been burnt. We'd have been dead and buried. But there's one thing that makes our story different is we came to Jesus. Every time we kept coming to Jesus. And when we came to Jesus, he kept opening up new avenues, new possibilities, new sources, new springs of living water. So come on, why don't you stand to your feet with me all over the building. 
That's a good song. Let's just sing that right now. Come on, why don't you come to Jesus?